is Adventuring 801, a podcast where I help you adventure in the 801. Now, I want to get out of Utah as bad as anybody, yet people are dying to get here. It's the fastest growing population in the country at a rate of 18.4%. I am just one of many people who, despite having chances to leave, you know, something just makes me stay. Something's holding me back. And I'm here to discuss those little things that keep me here and the adventures that nowhere else has to offer. Utah is obviously a granola state. You know, people here love the outdoors. They love nature. We're very much known for our five national parks, which are great, but... Most Utahns don't live near those parks or even get to visit them very often. We do a lot of adventuring away from those parks, but people outside of the Utah bubble don't really know about that. They see Utah as a rocky place with a bunch of polygamists and Mormon temples. Look, I can't see that. Better now? Uh, now it's getting there. Right now, I can't see anything. I see. Good, good, good. I see it. Okay. Well, the cardholder acknowledges woman of his choosing, true love, not valid in the state of Utah. Holy matrimony. I gotta get married. One thing we are especially proud of here is our capital city, Salt Lake City. Utah, people working together. Utah, what a great place to be. day for Utah was July 24th of 1847, which we now celebrate as what we call the 24th of July. Pioneer Day, if you will. This is the day that Brigham Young and his followers arrived at Ensign Peak. They looked over the valley and said the famous Brigham Young quote, this is the place. The Mormon pioneers were the first non-Indians to permanently settle in the valley and call it their Zion. The original city plan was a grid system going out from the center of the city, which just so happened to be the Salt Lake City Temple. The streets today are still so big and so unusually wide because when they planned the city, they made the streets big enough that ox carts could make a U-turn. This was helpful in the process of building this massive temple out of all this granite from Little Cottonwood Canyon, as well as the state capitol building from that same granite. The grid system sparked a trend throughout the country and many cities have adopted it since then. It makes it really easy for anyone to navigate the city. The original 10 acres are still intact today as Central City. She left me deep in my solitude with the Salt Lake City Blues. There's so much to see in Salt Lake City. It entails anything from sculptures of Joseph Smith's face on a sphinx body to the world's first KFC or Sharpe Evans Locker in East High. Despite its conservative reputation, Salt Lake City has maintained a Democratic leadership for some 50-plus years, and it was voted the gayest city in the USA. My point is, Utah is far from what many people may expect. I have been doing this 
professional band geek thing for a few years now, and I'm typically one of two or three people out of 150 people who is from Utah. So most of my closest friends have never been to Utah or don't know really anything about it. So for a lot of them, the only time they ever have or will see Utah is when they're on tour with the band, which they don't exactly get to see it when they're rehearsing and performing all day. I find that people that I know who live all around the country tend to have a stereotypical view of Salt Lake City. I tell them I'm from Utah and they ask how many sister wives I have. They are always shocked when they see it with their own two eyes and suddenly they get a little jealous. When I brag to them about Utah, I often tell them about how it's famous for many films like Footloose and High School Musical and the Sundance Film Festival is held here and so many celebrities live here. Everywhere I go, catch me on the block like a mutambo. 750 Lambo in the Utah snow, trunk in the front like a shit dumbo. I really appreciate that musicians come to visit Utah. People here love music and concerts, and artists always seem to love the crowds here. They keep coming back. Some of my best adventures have been thanks to concerts. I wanted to share this story of how I became friends with some of my most inspirational musicians that I had been following for seven years to be exact. The group's name is called Brass Tracks. The brass duo from New York City is one of the biggest reasons I play my instruments today, especially brass. It was a small show in a small bar. You know, most people were there for the drinks. After the show, the band stuck around for a meet and greet, and when it was my turn, I asked if they would sign my shirt, and while they're signing my shirt, I got to talk to them, and they were really nice. They were reciprocative. They, you know, they were making conversation with me as much as I was making it with them. It was great. I was asking Ivan, the trumpet player, how he liked Salt Lake City, and he had a lot of good to say, and we discussed things to do in the area and things to appreciate about Utah and his time here, and he actually invited me to go to an arcade bar in Central City called Quarters. Now, I've been to 42 states. I've been many places. I've traveled, right? This is the only place that I have ever seen that still has arcade games for just a quarter. They always seem to be at least like 50 cents, right? Arcades don't hardly exist anymore. Well, this bar, it's, it's just 25 cents a game. You get drunk. It's great. It's a good time. You play games. So anyway, we spent the rest of the night pretty much at quarters with the band and played games with them, laughed with them, drank with them. It was a good time. It was a good place to bond. You don't see places like this, just little underground, affordable places where communities can meet and you can meet other people and feel safe about it. Salt Lake City is really good for that. I will never forget that night or those people. I'm still in touch with those artists. I feel really grateful for that. This kind of experience is often unique to Utah shows because of how crowds are here. Their size and their energy in general and just their welcoming vibes for the artists. The artists tend to really like Utah crowds. There's a lot of smaller venues here for a lot of artists who don't have as big of a fan base here partially due to the culture that is dominant in the area. Lucky for the rest of us, there's a smaller crowd at their show and therefore, you know, we get to meet the artists, we get to hang out with the artists. They, they still make sure to come to Utah. 
I think that's really cool. I think that says something big about Utah that these big names always come back for the people. Because it's not like they're spending time on the streets. They're coming here to perform for us. I could go on and on about my adventure stories here in Utah and in Salt Lake City, but I have a few people that we get to hear from today who want to tell you some of their stories. We're going to talk about, you know, things you can do in the city, things you can do anywhere in the state, really just those little things to appreciate about Utah that people don't think about or people just straight up don't know about. While we're on the topic of bars, I want to introduce you to my dear friend Stu, without whom I may never have seen the whole Utah bar scene, and I don't even want to imagine that life. So without further ado, here is the best Salt Lake City bar expert I know. Hi, my name is Stuart Towser. I'm 25 years old and I've lived in Salt Lake City my whole life. I love Salt Lake City because of the people. You know, everywhere you go, there are people who are kind, awesome, fun, unique, caring. Um, if you go to a bar, sporting event, or concert, it's hard to leave without making new friends. I love going to a bar downtown during the middle of the day just to talk with people and hear everyone's interesting stories. My favorite thing to do in the 801 is go out to the bars with co-workers or friends, and I know a lot of people that go out. There's always a big fun group. My favorite bars are Whiskey Street, Beer Hive, Poplar, and Twilight Lounge. Whiskey Street has the best burger in the state. I also love Ex-Wives, a bar named Sue in Mill Creek, and Ice House in Murray. A night out to the bars always has to end with a walk to the pie hole for some amazing thin-sliced pizza. They're open late, have great vegan and vegetarian options, and their potato bacon pizza is to die for. If a tourist wants to see some of the true local nature of Salt Lake, I recommend they visit some of the bars downtown, attend a local concert at venues like Kilby Court or Urban Lounge, and especially try to talk to and meet as many people as they can. It's also worth mentioning that the Belgian Waffle House, or the Belge as we call it, is an amazing all-night diner with something called a garbage hash that is the perfect way to end any night of adventuring. Now you can probably see why me and Stu get along so well. I can always trust him with a good adventure. I can confirm that Pie Hole is a must-see. They're open basically 24 hours, Pihole is always there for me when I need it. Not to mention, these places are all very accessible. Utah has an amazing public transportation system called UTA. It's young, yet so iconic. My friend Jackie gave me a new perspective on it. When I asked what makes adventures memorable for her, she said UTA, our friggin' public transportation system. At first I was like, okay, smartass. <laughs> I quickly realized that whether I'm on the bus or train for school or for any other event that I choose to go out of my way to go to, that ride is always memorable in the best way. Sometimes when I can't drive, UTA is the only memorable thing from that night. Okay, that's a bit dramatic, but because it is so user-friendly, people take advantage of it all the time. It's very appreciated, especially in the free fare zone downtown. Here's what Jackie had to say. My name's Jackie Sadler. I've lived around the Salt Lake area for 22 years. 
basically anytime I was writing UTA that just encapsulates all of my adventures um, around Salt Lake. I remember when they first built the front runner from Farmington to Salt Lake Central and writing that for the first time and that was so exciting for me <laughs> and I had no idea how much I'd be using that in the next coming years. Going to Salt Lake as much as I could, writing the tracks from there and using it to get to RSL games and jazz games and to just shopping downtown or to concerts. It was always an adventure on UTA and whenever I jumped on I always knew that I was gonna see something interesting or learn something new or just it made me feel a part of the area which I really loved about it. I love Salt Lake City because it's my home. I'm proud of my roots here. It's meant a lot to me my development is for me the center of culture and arts and business in Utah. So spending time there just gave me exposure to those things. It exposed me to new ideas, helped me develop goals for my career and myself, and gave me just a small look into how big like the world is. Things like the Olympics, the symphony, the museums, jazz games, street art murals, diverse restaurants and concerts are just like some of the things that all happened in Salt Lake and cemented a deep love of Salt Lake into my heart. When I talk to people who are going to Utah or to Salt Lake, I always recommend to them to go try the foods. There's always such good restaurants that are either hole in the wall or not even hole in the wall that are always just there and so delicious. There's so much variety of it too, which was really good for me to be exposed to as I was growing up because I learned about these different foods in these different places and different ways of thinking. and. A lot of that came through just the restaurants. My favorite thing is just that I feel is unique to Salt Lake is how much it feels like a growing city. Every time I go back, there's something new and it's improving itself and there's potential there. It really shows up in the people and how you operate yourself. I always go to Salt Lake and try to learn something new or try to do something different. Approach it with a growth mindset, which I think helps because it's a city with a growth mindset. And I don't get that in all the cities I go to. So I like that about Salt Lake. I'm proud to have those Utah license plates on my car and walk around with the Utah driver's license. I love how diverse the outdoors opportunities for Utah are with the Uintas being so majestic and beautiful and green and rocky and with all the lakes up there compared to the brushy like mid-Utah where there's just sagebrush and juniper trees and sand. But it's beautiful in its own way and the little Sahara even, spiral jetty. And of course, the iconic Southern Utah with the red rocks that are some of the most beautiful places on earth. So I love that about Utah. There's just so much different stuff in the outdoors and you can never get sick of it. You can go mountain biking, you can go skiing, hiking, backpacking, fishing, rock climbing, anything, horseback riding. And those are all the things I grew up and kept doing because it brings you fulfillment and it, it brings you love for the outdoors and appreciation for who you are in the scope of the world. Yeah, she pretty much covered just about anything I had to say about the nature in Utah. I will say my favorite thing about the nature in Utah is the rocks and the gemstones are so abundant. Because this area was once Lake Bonneville, you know, thousands of years ago, there's a massive giant lake here. We can find so many fossils and so many pressurized gemstones and at least I find it very fun to go <laughs> run around looking for rocks, take them home, rinse them off and see how pretty they are. That's pretty fun to me.
there's so many climates and land formations, every season, endless things to do outside. But yeah, Utah's nature goes far beyond the mountains and the red rocks. The very name of our capital city is so important, yet people don't think of a lake when they hear Salt Lake City. The lake is incredibly important. It's air quality, it's our history, it's our wildlife, our balance, our culture. It's truly underappreciated by everybody here. The Great Salt Lake provides kind of a migratory gas station type place for over 50 million birds. But they're all coming to Utah? That's amazing. They are a really big part of our food chain and the health of our lake. They eat the brine shrimp and they help with pollution in the lake. Without their help, our lake would dry up quicker and our air quality would therefore go down and so on. Today we get to hear from Jamie Butler, a wildlife biologist who studies the lake and works to protect it. Jamie has been super helpful in helping me learn and study and research the Great Salt Lake and the Utah drought and water supply, etc. for some news stories that I was writing. And so here's a clip from a conversation we recently had. I only included a clip of it because it ended up being 40 or so minutes long. We get really passionate when we talk about it. But anyway, here's a clip from Jamie. We're all tied into this place, not just through the ecosystem, but like through our culture too. I mean, the lake has been a very important part of Utah culture, even from Native American times. Mm -hmm. When white settlers weren't here, it was a very important place. It was like a place of seasonal abundance. So, um, you know, there were plants in the wetlands. We like people would find villages that are along these wetlands and they would hunt birds. The lake is very productive. So it was this like place of abundance. So for somebody like I feel like a lot of people in Utah just see the lake as this gross freaking salt mud place that you've kind of avoid. (laughs) What would you tell them um, to emphasize its importance? I would recognize that Great Salt Lake State, it's really weird, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you go and, you know, I told you five million birds come to Great Salt Lake, Mm -hmm. and it's this salty lake, and if even 1% of those birds die, that's 50,000 birds that dies, and they pickle and preserve, they, like, dry up, like, little, like, pickled birds on the shoreline, and that's a really weird thing to see when you go... And you're like, oh my gosh, like there's all these birds, but the birds don't decompose. In the springtime, there are biting bugs that like are wicked. They're like wicked little devil bugs that bite you. So you don't want to go in the spring. It stinks and it's buggy and it's weird. But I encourage people to go make a relationship with it like go out there sometimes you're gonna like run back to your car and not get out of your car and then other times you're gonna see that there are storms over the wasatch and it's raining and stormy and awful and like you'll be in the sun at great salt lake or you'll see like a flock of birds twenty thousand birds that are flying over or you'll see bison on antelope island Mm -hmm. and You know, I just would encourage people to go. It's really fun. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, so the pickled birds, um, 
do you by chance have an experience of your first time seeing them? Oh, actually, totally. So, I mean, I was a biologist then, and most of my time had been spent on boats studying the brine shrimp. Mm-hmm. And I was out in this one spot, so I found this dead pelican, and I was like, oh my god, like, what is, th- this is crazy. I mean, these are huge birds. It was just covered in salt and, like, it's just kind of morbid, but beautiful at the same time, seeing this big bird. And I didn't realize at that point that um, Great Salt Lake is home to one of the largest American white pelican colonies. Mm-hmm. And that they rely on the super salty lake, um, which is weird because they eat fish. Everybody knows they eat fish. They rely on the salty lake on an island where they trade food and fresh water for the safe place to lay their nests. So they, like, put their nests on the ground, like, pretty much in the dirt. And it's really easy for coyotes or dogs or humans to get to them. And so they're on this remote island, and um, one of those baby birds probably had just, like, not made it across the lake when it tried to fly into the freshwater feeding ground for the very first time, like, died and pickled. Oh, my gosh. Did that just, like, horrify you? I feel like that would just... Uh, You know, I don't remember being horrified. I remember just wondering and being curious. I hope you guys got a kick out of her pickled bird story like I did. To start kind of wrapping up here, I just wanted to talk about my favorite thing about the Great Salt Lake. It was a really big part of my childhood. It's this place up north called Spiral Jetty. Um, legend has it a man several years ago used the surrounding rocks to make this man-made giant spiral formation. Jamie mentioned that it's pretty common to see birds up there and I happen to know that selenite, the mineral gemstone selenite, is very abundant in that area. So for my listener, my recommended adventure would be to go up to the north side of the Great Salt Lake, visit the spiral jetty, dig up some selenite, see if you can find some pickled birds, and you'll get the real good experience of the lake. You can see even how far down it is. You can see where the water is supposed to be and how it's 10 feet lower this year. And on your way there, you might as well hit the Arctic Circle and Tree Mine because they have the best ice cream in the world. I promise. Anyway, thanks for listening this week. Feel free to send me any of your adventure recommendations for Salt Lake. This is for including but not limited to Salt Lake residents, Utah residents, anyone visiting Utah at any given time. Our state deserves a little bit more credit. That's all. So send your inquiries to brooke.williams at ustudentmedia.com. Next week, we'll get into some more specific adventures where I can maybe even offer some discounts for some places, those kind of things. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. I'm not going to Salt Lake City. I'm